Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is part of the season finale, the double episode that I'm dropping. This episode is called Pretty Hurts. And this is an interview featuring the beautiful and vibrant Vivian Relena. Uh, she's a former DCC training camp candidate from a few years back that um, was a very, very well-liked. I believe she was a fan favorite, at least one of the seasons that she had auditioned. And I just thought her story was very powerful. There really won't be much cheer chat for this episode. I think the conversation flowed so beautifully that I really wanted to share it all with you. So please enjoy this wonderful conversation. It's just a reminder that we have to get back to loving ourselves. This industry has a way of tearing us down and we can forever have this warped vision of our beautiful bodies because it didn't meet certain requirements to do what we do when in fact we were probably very either healthy and didn't know it or engage in unhealthy behaviors to have that image upheld and once you step away from it there's a lot of work involved in undoing those negative voices in your head about how you feel about your body and this episode is all about body positivity and I really can't wait to share it with you I think Vivian's story will hit home with so many people And I encourage you, especially during the break, especially with quarantine and just to give your body a big hug and embrace, embrace your body, you guys embrace and love yourselves and try to start undoing early on, like what this industry can do in terms of warping your own image of yourself and your body. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to the interview with Vivian. Vivian. Um, <laughs> my name is Makiba and it is so nice to meet you. I cannot believe we had such a cluster F to get this show started. No, you're so fine. <laughs> I think it's so funny. It's how my fitting. first day of vacation and you would think I left my brain last week. I just don't know how to act. I'm just going to blame it on that. But um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining the Leading so Podcast welcome. for this wonderful conversation that I know we're going to have. I feel like yeah. I know you already just from listening to your live and kind of doing some bit of research for this, but I just want to thank you because, you know, from what I can tell with your YouTube page and just your Instagram account that you're really wanting to kind of just spread so much light and love Mm -hmm. and and such a positive message. And I just think 
it was kind of like along with like the positive note that I was hoping to end this season that's been like insanely crazy with the corona shit going on and then like just so much with Black Lives Matter and then like just a lot of heavy 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 weighted topics and conversations that we were having I was like how can we end this on a positive note and right some kind of positivity um but it's just been something that's been coming up a lot where I think people who are either in retirement or have moved away from pro cheerleading in sub capacity Mm. started to kind of just process a lot of not so positive feedback and messaging around their body and they're working through that you know get back in touch with themselves and loving themselves in the body that they're in and I just think that that's a pretty fitting topic given everybody's probably been going through a lot with their bodies with quarantine and everything else. So I was just very curious about your journey and just wanted to open it up to talk to you about it. So I'm just so thankful for, you know, for you being willing to chat. Yeah, of course. It's such a, an honor and a privilege to reach out. I love, I love the community of like podcasting, of self-improvement, of self-help. I think that it's really important that we take the time as an individual mm-hmm. to really pour into how we can be the best versions of ourselves so mm-hmm. we can help society at large because hurt people hurt people and that's so evident in 2020 like perfect vision is <laughs> accurate okay <laughs> everyone is seeing the ugly for the ugly and the good for the good and we're finally having the courage to stand up for what we believe in and for what's not okay like all of these things that should have been eradicated like a long time ago they shouldn't even be a thing like i am every race that you can think of and so i don't get racism because i see myself in every single person that i look at if that makes sense but i'm different and i i understand that i know that i came from a different people that all came together and we made this thing and I grew up in a different environment and I moved from city to city, place to place. And so my perspective of race is very like, it's just the color, like it's a color in the rainbow. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are struggling with that. And I guess that's because of the programming. And that goes into the programming of cheerleading is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot to undo and unpack. And I think that's why so many people struggle with it. And that's why I'd love to just launch in. So, I mean, mm-hmm. again, I'm working on it. I don't do the best job interviewing people. I couldn't even get the volume to work on my own dang on computer. Um, Girl, you good. <laughs> One moment did I think, is my volume on mute? <laughs> oh no. But um but give us a little bit of your background in terms of um so I know you I don't know you, but I know you from your appearance in the DCC training camp as part of the, mm-hmm. the team show. Um yes. I'm sure others may have may recognize you from that, but mm-hmm. where I'd love to start is who you were before coming into the process, how mm. you felt about yourself your body like what your whole vibe was prior to stepping into this world because we all know that it changes you and it grooms you for this crazy crazy experience but 
I think sometimes, at least in terms of dealing with the spin cycle that we're in when we're in this world, it's just a matter of kind of like getting back to who you were before you joined. So I'm just oh my gosh. if you could introduce us to Vivian in that lens. Oh my goodness. Where do I start? Okay, so um, I come from a broken home. My mother and father split when I was really, really young. I was born in California. We moved to Texas so my mom could be with her grandmother. As a very young child, I was very shy, but I was very observant. I was very smart and very loving. I would give the shirt off of my back or the money in my pocket to anybody that I ever came across. And that was something that terrified my mother for me to go into the public school systems, to be and interact with different people because she knew that I would be easily taken advantage of. And that was a common thread throughout my life. And I, I don't think that's a bad trait to have as a person. It just makes life a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So while I was um, very young, I got bullied at certain schools because I was shy and sweet and an easy target for troubled kids to lash out on. And so it wasn't until I moved from city to city to city almost every single year that I realized that I didn't have to stay the girl that was bullied or the, um, the cootie girl, the, the girl that caught head lice. I didn't have to stay in these places that people were placing me in mm-hmm. and that I was my own person. And so I think I started to adapt like this kind of punk skater girl emo kind of vibe and I realized that since I was so smart at the time that I I could be funny because being funny is a skill you have to you have to be intelligent you have to be witty and I just went full throttle and trying to be like the ham of the classroom and make people laugh because when I caught head lice when I was younger I got held back a grade And so me going into transition, it was like I completely went into a different world where people looked up to me and people thought it was cool and people thought it was funny and all this stuff. And of course, that's because I was a little bit older. But with that transition, I developed into this kind of adolescence that was loving and kind and funny and that was just ready to embrace life as it was as messy as terrible because I experienced a lot of trauma growing up with um and we won't even get into that today but I I was just okay with who I was even if it was considered to be ugly when people would make fun of me or be like you're ugly I'd be like I don't care that doesn't affect me who cares? Like, whatever. And it wasn't until I transitioned. I was a tomboy because I, I loved sports and I loved to hang out with my dad. So we played video games all the time. And that was how we would bond because my family was split. And so on the weekends, he would pick me up. He would take photos of us and everything like that. And we would play video games. We'd go to different stores. We'd do a lot of the boyish kind of stuff. And that's where I felt at home being a tomboy. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first boyfriend, before we broke up, (laughs) he said to me, he was like, why aren't you a cheerleader 
were on the drill team or all that stuff because all those girls were so pretty and so fun and so happy. And um, I was like, I don't know. I just never danced before. And after we broke up in order to kind of like jab at him or like get back at him or spite him in a sense, I took a dance class and I ended up falling in love with dance. And it was such an incredible creative outlet for me. Before that, all I had was writing. I wrote a lot of poetry and a lot of journals and a lot of diaries because that's how I coped with a lot of the things that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. After that first year of dance, my best friend was going to audition for the drill team. And she was like, you need, to try, you need to audition with us. And all the girls in my class were like, you need to do it. And I was like, I don't know. Drill team's got a lot of rules. I haven't had those my whole life. I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. But I got to the point where I kind of wanted structure. I kind of wanted somebody to care because I've always been so self-sufficient up to that point. My parents started to care about other things instead of me. And so I was like, well, maybe if I try out for this thing, maybe if I try to do something new, who knows what will happen from it. And I made it. I made some of the best memories that I could ever express to you on that drill team and with those girls and performing. And I could go on and on about all that. But it wasn't until I decided to audition for DCC that I started to look at my body as something that was bad. Got you. And so before I didn't have any body image issues. I, I never had any problems with gaining weight, losing weight, maintaining my weight. I was a typical young high school girl. You can go through all of my photos. Um, Of course, every young girl wants to be pretty and attractive and like, you know, desired, but I never had an obsession of having to look a certain way because I was confident in who I was as a person, as who I was as an individual. And I respected myself because I worked my ass off to be somebody that I actually liked, that I looked up to, that I could be like, yeah, that's me. I want to give advice to other people because I respect my own opinion. And I, I think that I'm giving out goodness and I'm not giving out toxic poison because a lot of people sometimes give out toxic poison in order to prevent other people from surpassing them Mm -hmm. if that makes sense oh yeah and (laughs) and I was never that type of person and that's why so many people liked me I was homecoming princess and queen almost every year because I loved everyone like I loved everyone and that was just everyone knew like Vivian, just this big, bold, bright, bubbly, loving source of energy and laughter. And if you're ever in a bad mood, just go hang out with her and she'll love on you and give you like billion compliments and like make you feel like super awesome about yourself because that's what made me feel happy when I would uplift other individuals and make them feel like, man, I can take on the world. That's what made me feel good inside because I got to see them being happy, them feeling loved, them smiling and beaming and reaching their potential. And that's always been something that's just been very innate within my soul. Yeah. And so when I first started training for 
I, I feel like I've been rambling on because okay. there's no, and I'll, I'll pipe in with questions, but you know, okay. I, think it, I think it's good to lay the foundation of like who you are okay. as a person, mm-hmm. how you feel about yourself prior to even approaching the pro channeling world, because mm-hmm. the process from the minute you decide you want to audition is all about fixing yourself, mm-hmm. doing all <laughs> things that are like self-improvement, but like, but it ends up somehow not for everybody but kind of eating and eroding away at who you really were walking into it and so it's mm-hmm. it's good to lay the foundation so that we can understand and and I think so many people will be able to relate to like how from the minute you decide that you're going to start preparing for these auditions and yes some of it's really positive okay if you're out of shape get in shape if you're mm-hmm. you don't know how to do makeup to get the look fine take a class figure it out mm-hmm. put some makeup on you know what I mean yeah. But there's other things that, I think that happen, especially with a platform as big as DCC's making the team is mm-hmm. um, I stopped watching because I really couldn't handle I never it. Watching it. Yeah, I never felt good watching it. I just think it's important to see what actually ends up happening to somebody that can come in whole, maybe not having all the answers and oh maybe not knowing the world of pro cheerleading, but how easy it is for you to lose who you are from hearing just some really tough critiques of whether it's your body. I mean, that's what this episode is about, right? Like the body Mm -hmm. critique or body shaming, but just in general to have your whole personality of what you're bringing to the table for whatever reason, not fit some mold and then having it turn into something that's taken so personally is really, really hard to deal with in process. So I totally appreciate just kind of (laughs) understanding, like what you said, like, who you are and how you felt about yourself prior to even coming on to this. So you are saying that when you started preparing for the DCC auditions, that was kind of the first time that you paid attention to or felt like there was something to work on in terms of your mm-hmm. body. Is that what you were? Yes. So when I was younger, people say that I have like the ugly duckling syndrome because I was bullied for being ugly when I was a little girl and um, they had to chop off all my hair and I had like a little afro because I got head lice and so I had like this little jerry curl and they would make fun of me and call me the cootie girl and whatever and through that process I grew a backbone and I was like okay well I guess I'm just gonna be ugly then (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I accepted myself for who I was and I learned how to love myself for who I was and not really care about wanting to be like anybody else right and Through high school, I was so, so blessed to be in a school and in a city where I felt like the people genuinely loved me and uplifted me and thought that I was a good person and that I poured into and they poured right back into me. And I remember when we first moved to Carrollton, I was like, mom, we can't move ever again. These are my people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In college. Well, you always gain the freshman 15 or whatever, but it wasn't really a big deal for me. I didn't really gain that much weight and my body really didn't change that much. And I never felt like I was really fat, Mm -hmm. but I realized that DCC looked like freaking Victoria's Secret models and I needed to chisel down the curves. (laughs) Totally stretch it out. And I researched nutrition and exercise and how to change your body type for a whole year. I didn't even want to be a DCC until one of my teammates was like, Vivian, 
you should totally audition for DCC. I was like, what? What are you talking about? You think so? And just by her planting that seed into my mind, that made me think, well, if she thinks I can do it, then maybe I can. Maybe I should believe in myself too. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something that I don't see that these people are saying that's within me. And so I always, always have been not like in a bad way, but have been competitive with myself, with always trying to be the best version of myself possible. Mm -hmm. Like with sports, I used to sneak out in the middle of the night when I was in middle school and run drills at the basketball court because that's the sport that I was always playing with my dad. And so I'd do little sprints and stuff and practice the free shots because like Air Bud was super in at the time. And so I was just very inspired by any kind of films or movies that I would watch. And I, I decided that I wanted to go all the way in. And I started to believe in myself. I started researching like the law of attraction, things like that. What you think about, what you perceive about becomes your reality. So I started to visualize myself in the uniform. I started to visualize myself cheering on the actual field. I got to perform on the field with um, the Apache Bells when I was an Apache Bell. Okay. So that was amazing. And I got to stand in front of the locker. I stood in front of Nicole Bolcher's locker at uh-huh. the time. And I was just, I was so excited and so green. And I was so pumped and so motivated. And everyone was so supportive of me. And they were like, you're doing so great. You look amazing. And I never really got any of the like backlash. I never got any hate like while I was doing this. I never got you know, you really shouldn't try this. This is kind of a little out of there. You really should tone it back. Don't you think you might not make it? I didn't care. I was like, I know I just started dancing a couple years ago and I barely learned how to retain choreography like this year, but I'm going to work my butt off Mm -hmm. until I can reach my perceived greatness. So I spent the majority of my entire life Training, dieting, preparing, visualizing, prepping. I researched until my eyes bled. Like I wanted it so bad. When I showed up for auditions the first year, I remember I I taught at a dance studio in Carrollton, Advanced Hip Hop. It was my first position as an instructor. The owner of the studio dedicated a lot of time and energy to help me prepare for auditions. And so she was like, we're going to get you right. We're going to get you ready. And so I would do like mock training and all that stuff. I knew that if I showed up to like Kitty Carter's class or anything like that before my body was right, then I would already be perceived to be not ready and not even considered. So I didn't even take a class until I was like on point. And even still then, I remember people saying that my thighs looked like hams. And I did not have ham thighs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, so I'm going to pause there because in researching for our talk today, it's something about seeing things in writing. Like, again, I had stopped watching the show and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to, like, find out which episodes, you know, that you were featured in and whatever. But there are sites out there that have indexed, like, what happens in each episode by name. Like it was amazing. It was, it helped with some research, but 
I have to say, like they had the quotes and everything of what was spoken on and everything that involved you during that season. And I mean, I, or those two seasons even, but I was just kind of struck and, you know, with your permission, I, I edit away episodes, but I wouldn't want to ever say anything that was triggering, but I was yeah. looking at all of the commentary about your fucking thighs. And I was just like, <laughs> I mean, it was just so disturbing because like, it's, you know, how if you read something, like if you hear it in passing or if you kind of watch a show and you're like, you might be like, oh, that's messed up. Seeing it in written form just made it that much more disturbing as mm-hmm. to like how our bodies are critiqued to oblivion. And like, I couldn't imagine, you know, being like, if it was like somebody talking about my ass or like whatever, like that it was just that much focus and emphasis on a portion of your body that you actually have no control over. You know what I mean? And again, I don't have to, but I would, I wrote them down because I was like, I just cannot believe that any of this would like not penetrate through your heart and make you feel differently as you. So only with your permission, when I read it, like I said, it's not to be triggering, but I just really, these are messages, whether it's about somebody's thighs, whether it's about somebody's midsection, whether it's about your butt being too big, they never complain about your tits being too big, but you know, <laughs> like it's always something that they focus in on. And if you're hearing these kind of messages, I just think that we can just start to unpack like how you moved past like hearing yeah. that and replayed over and over. I'm not doing it for that kind of like shock value, but I just, I'll put it this way. Just, I know that there's sometimes articles written about our world and mm. you know, they always take like the sound bites, um, of terrible things that happen, right? Like, well, somebody had to do a jiggle test or they had to like, Mm. I don't know, they got duct tape. Like they'll tell, they'll tell a story, but it doesn't really kind of give justice to what it's like to be on the receiving end of consistent Mm -hmm. messaging over and over again about your body. Nobody else fucking, excuse me, French, nobody else goes through that. Please, please cut, (laughs) because it's required. (laughs) (laughs) But this is why it's such a big problem. And I just think in terms of, well, give the, the full evolution of it in terms of how you work through it or how you continue to work through it. It's not like it's something you're just like, boom, I'm healed. Yeah. From, but mm, okay. Shit. Not, and I'm probably just going to get myself pissed off, but it was, it pissed me off. So I wrote it down. Um, she's got really thick thighs and that's not going to change. This is commentary. I didn't write who said what they had that in the, on yeah. the website PS, but she's too short and too bottom heavy. Saki. I can't figure out if it's stocky or bulky or chunky. I just think she looks like a stump. I think she's real powerful, but she's got to lose those freaking thighs. Vivian's thigh, and these are fucking different episodes, right? Like it's not like, you know, Vivian's, how do, no, she's pretty. She's toned from the front. She's got some short and thick thighs. Vivian's thighs are too large for her frame. You're short and you're stocky. Like, fucking fuck like I was excuse my French oh no there was more and this is just again and I'm only reading this because I just we all have like the replay in our mind of the what we've heard about our bodies she's in shape I mean I don't see a healthy reason to say lose weight what bothers me the most is her boots are all the way up to her knees I mean there's no leg huge quads like a drumstick Again, like I've known of this issue. I have my own personal story of mm-hmm. comments that were made about my body. Mm-hmm. The things that, you know, I won't say like haunt me because I'm past it to some extent, but it's but just, it like, but it 
affects you. It absolutely affects you. And so reading all of those comments that were made throughout the various, mostly I think that first season, but definitely different episodes, it just really reinforced like how hearing this mm-hmm. over and over again, or just discussion of your body being mm-hmm. critiqued and being either spoken about you, or if you're watching the show back, that you're hearing what they're discussing about you. And I just mm-hmm. wanted from your perspective to understand how that impacted you and how that's a battle to kind of try to keep striving oh, for perfection, but trying not to like internalize that shit. <laughs> let me, let me start off by saying that I was perfectly okay with who I was walking into that place. Yeah. It took me half a decade to heal from that. And I'm not saying that to be dramatic. I'm saying that it took a fucking half a decade. It took five years. Yeah. Because I had to try to act like I was okay the whole time. Because you're expected to just suck it up and play the part. Yeah. So when I first, when I first started to hear all this stuff, I never thought that I had thick thighs. I never, you can go back in all of my photographs from all the way, I post all of them like since college. Mm -hmm. You can see the photographs that I auditioned with. I think that when that organization needs to pick on somebody, they pick on them hard. Relentlessly. Relentlessly, yeah. And it's because it's a TV show. It's because they need drama. It's because they need to nitpick for some reason, or there would be no reason to continue the show. So I get it. I understand. However, I'm not a character in a movie. I'm an actual fucking person. Right, right, right. And so I didn't realize that I was signing up for any of this. Yeah. Just by going through a normal auditions process, right? You're not thinking that even if you watch the show, I think you're just so filled and I'm totally speaking for you. So shut me the hell up. But like, (laughs) there's just, you're, you're consumed with this like hope and aspiration of, of being seen to be this wonderful potential addition to this program. So you're not really focusing on like the negativity around like how they drill in on, like you might know, okay, yeah, they're going to give harsh feedback. Like the kitty chick, like I know she's going to like be a hard hitting, like you have this in your mind, but until you're actually experiencing it, And then understanding, like you said, that there's got to be a smile attached and you have mm-hmm. to yes and it and just swallow it like it's not the worst thing you've ever heard about your body in your whole entire life. Like, oh, it just makes me shudder on the inside because it's bad enough to have that happen without some cameras, but to mm-hmm. have it happen in front of a camera, have it replayed over and over again. And then like beyond the auditions process, when you're back to being a, a human, like not even back to like you weren't ever a human, but... You're in the real world living your life still and having this kind of play out over and over again on film Mm -hmm. and having to, that just has to be such a hard space to heal. So I understand, long story short, why it would take five years to get to a place where you're not just damaged from, (laughs) fuck, sorry, I'm just, and I try not, I'm really like uh, riled up, but. It was, okay, so. When my first season on the show, I had all the support of all of my friends, 
all of my family. That was the first year that they decided to do this fan vote kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you, I, won, right? you won. Yeah, I did yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And um, I have always had the support of my friends and my family and my community because I'm the type of person that supports my family, my friends, my community. Mm-hmm. So they went in hard promoting for me, sharing my, my story, sharing my journeys, sharing how much I put in the hard work and effort. Like I, I lost 30 pounds for that audition when I was already fine. Whoa. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. 30. 30. And then you know what? From that point, my lowest weight was 117. This past year, a lot of shit ruffled up because they decided they wanted to make fun of me. Again, on social media, I was the most memorable elimination for some reason. I know why. Because I'm a poet and I know it. Right, right. <laughs> they, so they, so they kind of like reposted something from the show. Yeah. And, um, I, I had already been dealing with a lot of personal like flashbacks and there, there's so many things that were not even on the show, not even talked about publicly about what I had to internalize and not express. And all of those things were bubbling up to the surface and I was still eating right. I was still working out. I got up to 180 seven pounds that's 70 pounds heavier than what I was as a DCC and I was in a relationship where the guy very much valued aesthetic like aesthetics and appearance and being fit and it was a endless cycle of hating my body of shaming my body, of looking in the mirror and being like, you're still not good enough. You never were good enough. Even when you had abs and no booty, but the gas thighs, apparently. <laughs> like, I honestly, I was, I was small. I was tiny. Anyone can tell you, when I went back for my banquet for um, Allen American Ice Angels, they could see my backbones in my dress. I was malnourished. I developed bulimia. I was borderline anorexia because I played with like not eating. I was like, well, if I don't eat today, maybe. But I was dancing like 10 hours a day because I was not only a dance teacher, but I was a professional cheerleader. And I was constantly working out. Anytime that I would put any terrible thing into my body, like if I had a cookie, I would fixate my mind upon that cookie for hours and hours and hours. And I would work my ass off in the gym and say, God, we worked so hard to get to this point. Why'd you have to fuck it up by eating a cookie? Got you. And this was when you made the, sorry, the Dallas, I missed the name of it. And I know the name, but it's not on the table. <laughs> you, so after the oh. uh, BCC auditions, you ended up cheering for another team. Is that yes, I cheered. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> like you know that. Um, I was an Allen American's ice angel. That's so I, I was on that team for three years. I was captain for two. And I was a dance teacher full time throughout that time as well. That's you. But this is where you're still battling all of those things. And yes, okay. because I was still contemplating going back and re-auditioning That's even true. after they made fun of me, even after they body shamed me, even after they just 
made me feel like I honestly was never going to be good enough, but they encouraged me to keep trying, which is something that is the most messed up part of it. If you know for a fact that somebody is not going to make your team, do not keep inviting them to come back to audition. That's where a lot of these girls get heartbroken and end up spending a decade auditioning for that team because they are encouraged to keep coming back for the numbers. So they can be like, oh, we had 500 girls audition. It's never even that many girls. Like the numbers diminish so many, so much from the first time that I auditioned to the next year, it cut in half, but they like skipped numbers. So nobody could tell for the show. Yeah. Everything was edited to a point where it was like, oh, I'm sorry. All of these like memories are flooding into my mind and it's, it used to be very, very triggering for me. And so sometimes it's hard to not let it get back to that point because it it has taken a lot of time and effort to get to the point where I'm okay with that. It happened. I'm okay. I went through that. I'm okay that I am not going to fit into that uniform. I'm okay that I didn't make that team. Right. And I am learning to accept myself as I ebb and flow and move and grow into the woman that I'm always meant to be. Right. And now I'm making my own podcast that's called Be Your Own Cheerleader, which Mm -hmm. encourages people to love themselves, accept themselves for who they are, and live a life worth cheering for focuses on health, healing, happiness, and how to pursue not giving a fuck about what anybody else says about you. Right. So needed because I feel like it's just whatever it is that you are setting out to do, it's just the world we live in where there'll be so Mm -hmm. much to try to tear down who you are. And usually, like you said, there's something about people who are just, I mean, my mom used to tell me this growing up when I was bullied. I mean, it's hard to even compare bullying back then to bullying, but it's just you know, those people who have that light inside of them. Some people, my mom just kept trying to explain to me, they're attacking you because they don't feel that light. It might be in there somewhere, but they don't feel that light inside of themselves. And so they become fixated on putting your light out. And it's like, you have to be the one to kind of pick yourself back up. Like you said, be your own cheerleader so that you can kind of have that right conversation in your head, you know, and I definitely don't want anything in this conversation to be triggering. I just, It's it's a wonderful sign of strength for somebody that, you know, went through all of that and Mm -hmm. took the time that it was necessary to heal yourself and to, you know, kind of, like you said, be okay in your own skin. Because it's not like any of these teams that people are bending over backwards to make are going to care about their mental and emotional well-being five years down the fucking road. They don't care at all. Like you have to care and you have to embrace yourself to really reach that point because there's going to be no outreach trust on any level mm-hmm. to like, think about, I wonder how that one girl's doing who I mm-hmm. attacked about her fill in the blank, this part of her mm-hmm. body. I wonder if she had any kind of like trouble moving through life after that. Like they're just not, that's just not mm-hmm. the mind wave that people are on. And I think it's just so important, like your message to help people really find their own way of getting through that or getting the help that they need to get through that because it's yeah. not to come from, you know, the teams themselves, like, my director at the time, and she's no longer with the, with the team, she retired, but, you know, I know that she's not really somebody sitting on my shoulder talking to me in the morning when I look at the mirror. This is my own brain, you know what I'm saying? And 
I don't want. <laughs> Why do I feel that so much? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like you spend enough time trying to please these people, and you always wanted to look your best in uniform or whatever you have built up in your mind as to like how you have to present your best self for that team. And so you can easily like hear some haunting little messages of like, I know what so-and-so would say or like, and you know, it takes a lot to get that off of your shoulder and to like really have your own conversations in your head. And that's what I definitely, you know, wanted to explore with you is just like what you felt like you did to mm-hmm. get back to how I did it, how I healed. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, girl, it was a process. And the first step of it was understanding that I wasn't okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't okay. Yeah. And I was acting like I was okay because I was always the, the happy girl. I was always the motivational, like super excited, like loud, bubbly, vivacious just ball of energy that lifted people up yeah. and I wanted to stay that person. And so I started to put on a mask and I stopped feeling like I was being authentic and genuine. And even when people would say things that were kind of disrespectful to my face, I even was like, when before I would be like, you're kidding, right? Like brush it off. I was programmed to watch what I say, to watch how I react, Mm -hmm. to, to filter my thoughts in a way that was politically correct and appropriate because I was programmed to yes, ma'am, myself to death. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And I, I was like, how the, like thinking back on it, like, I'm thinking, how the fuck does somebody have the audacity to say half of the things that were said to me? Like, it makes me, it made me angry. Now I'm at, I'm at peace with it. And I'm like, I'm writing a book about it. So it's a story worth telling, which is, which is a good thing. Yeah. Because different stories need to be addressed and need to be told so other people can heal, right. you know? And I've always been a writer. and. I feel like this all happened for this reason now that is occurring that my book is being written and published soon. And this podcast is being written because a lot of people are dealing with a lot of shit and they don't address it. Right. they suppress it and they put it down in this deep, dark hole. And they're like, I'll deal with it later whenever I have time or whenever I can breathe. And then pretty soon it's like, like out of the blue out of nowhere exactly though that's how it shows up in your life it'll be some like you said it's so suppressed and or you become so conditioned that you don't even see it as a problem anymore that you're having these conversations in your own mind because again you're you've retired from the team you've moved on you know technically speaking there's nobody scrutinizing your body that way but it's been programmed and conditioned to do that you're and it's so second nature to you. It becomes second nature that you don't even see that it's not okay to, you know, just pick ourselves apart in that way. That's the one thing that I freaking, you know, I mean, again, I've been retired for a few years now, but it's just like, there's so many good memories or good experiences mm-hmm. that you can take from it. But it's just like that one lasting effect that I know so many people struggle with that I just wish 
were never part of the conversation, was yeah. never part of the experience because again, it's just stuff that's just not okay. Like I, uh, it's just frustrating because it is it, a lot to work through to get to the point where you're okay again. Which actually I think, I think in the long run, that experience made me a stronger woman because before that point I had always been so, so sweet. Like you can ask my best friend that I've known since middle school. I taught her how to be more loving and sweet. She always taught me how to be more sassy and have a backbone. Yeah. yeah. And so as we've aged over this past decade, she has seen me grown so much. And she's just like, I thought you were an incredible woman before, but like this, this voice that you have that stands up for people and that's like strong and like unapologetic, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I no longer give a fuck. I no longer yeah. care. And yeah. I gave a fuck for so, so, so long to the point where I wouldn't even have said give a fuck. I would have been like, I don't give a crap. <laughs> You know exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> and that's because I wanted to be the best that I could be. But I forgot that being the best that you can be is being authentically, genuinely yourself. Yeah. That is the best that you can be. And pushing yourself, pressing yourself against obstacles and overcoming them makes you a better version of yourself. So I do appreciate that I was put in the boiler it fucking sucked in there. It was not fun. Mm -hmm. I, I was burned severely and I will always have those scars. Yeah. But I survived. I got out and now I'm stronger before and I'm not going to get anywhere close to a boiler again. I'm not going to ever let anyone shame me again. I'm not going to ever let. So on my social media the other day, I was posting a photograph of when I just got out of training camp for the first time and I gained five pounds because I would binge ate and drank for a week. And I, I just added on five pounds. You could see my ribs. I was very skinny. I was not fat. You could see abs, ribs, like I was a twig. And I thought <laughs> in that photo shoot, my friend Eric, who was the photographer, I was talking to him. I was like, I'm so sorry that I'm, I'm not at my best right now. Just give me two weeks and I will get trimmed up real good. And then we can really take some good photos. And looking back at that now, I'm like, that makes me so sad that I couldn't enjoy the moment of feeling and being beautiful because that's what we all are. We are all beautiful and people make us feel less than that. We are all uniquely and wonderfully and beautifully made. And when we stop being apologetic for not fitting into this ideal box of what beauty is, then that's where the colors can shine. That's where variety and intricacies and shapes and new discoveries can be made and more beauty can be developed, you know? Exactly. And no, I just remember, gosh, when you said that, it's like, looking back at any of my photos from the five seasons that I cheered and knowing like what body struggles I was probably having at the time and what I was hearing in terms of like the being calendar ready and <laughs> was not good enough back then. And here I am like, now if I'm looking at it, it's, it's a joke because it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke because like that body is there. A, there was nothing wrong with it. B, it was absolutely good enough. 
you know, and it's just like, wow, again, I I don't even need to see your thighs back then to know that there was probably nothing wrong with your thighs, but this like limited view of what looks good in a uniform. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I have something against that program. I mean, I don't really talk about them as much as part of the podcast, just because I don't know that I agree with. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't know. I don't really agree with the standard of beauty and the kind of like the cookie cutter that they really very, very narrowly think that everybody has to fit in in order to Mm -hmm. be a good representation of Mm -hmm. the team. I just don't, Mm -hmm. I just think that's way too narrow of a lens to look at Mm -hmm. women and their bodies. There are different shapes and sizes and damn it, if not everybody looks good in those shorts, then (laughs) fucking change the shorts so that it can kind of like... I mean, that was something else that tripped me out that I wrote down because they were saying something about the, the shorts were, um, how did they say it? the shorts like extend the, the body? What the hell did it was the rationale? It's not even important, but it was just something that like, if that's what they're thinking about, it's just way too narrow because there's things and ways of embracing different body types that does not tarnish your iconic uniform. And you know what was crazy about that is that this this ideal never even started until the show was created because there was thick women on the team in the 70s. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and there was different bodies, different hairstyles, different beauty on yeah. the team before and I think that it became like this kind of mean girl culture where it was like, you can't sit with us unless you wear pink on Wednesdays. <laughs> like, right, you know, right. like, and if, and oh, I could go on and on like in depth about that, but I won't because that, that's not for, that's not for today. Yeah. I feel like it's like more just, again, like your journey coming up through past and through that where mm-hmm. it's, like in the rear view because I just I do think there's a lot of people who again struggle with those voices in their head Mm -hmm. and it's like one of the main things that I feel like retired cheerleaders deal with the most in terms of how they feel about no longer cheering is just that they don't have the same body that they used to and some people are at peace with it some people aren't and the ones that aren't it's kind of like a it's a struggle to one of the new body that they're in and so you know, again, like I said, thinking of Corona and like how everybody's thrown off their game of what they used to do to probably mm-hmm. take care of their bodies, whether they went to the gym all the time and they can't anymore. You know, we just are going through audition season and people mm-hmm. either had this regimen of try to be ready for auditions and maybe they did or didn't make the team. And you're at some point, you're going to be left sitting with yourself, right? Where you're looking exactly. in the mirror and whether it's hey, I've been with the Rona and I've just been like packing it on. At some point, you're going to have that moment to yourself where you're like, do I love what I see? Am I at peace with who I am and what I, you know, whatever. Like there's a conversation. And I I wanted to leave people with something that can just, like I said, give themselves a big hug and acceptance and encouragement around how you view your body. Because if we Mm -hmm. look at it through the lens of how this industry looks at your body as protruders, you're going to be left with some really difficult things to work through later on. And I just think Mm -hmm. in your story is inspiring because I just think people got to face it. You know, like you said, it's kind of that just that moment of acknowledgement and awareness that this Mm -hmm. isn't something that was okay. It's not okay for me to view my body through this critical lens that doesn't allow me to love who I am. Exactly. And 
I didn't realize that I had a problem until I started. So at the time I had a boyfriend who played hockey. So of course that culture, they drink a lot. And so I didn't really drink at the time because I was training and you can't train if you're always hungover. So I was (laughs) falling into drinking more and just training hungover and training drunk and training all these things. And um, I think one night I got so drunk that I lashed out on my boyfriend and I started to like rage on him. And he had to like pick me up and carry me home to my mother's house. And I woke up the entire house and I started raging on every single person that loved me, that supported me, that lifted me up and that was there for me when I was literally (sighs) that's when I knew the next morning I rolled over and saw my boyfriend and I didn't remember anything that happened and so I tried to give him a kiss and he said I think I'm gonna go you should really talk to your mom Wow. And I went downstairs and I talked to my mom and she said, do you not remember anything that happened? I said, I really need to know what's wrong and why he just left like that. And she told me. And in that moment, I was like, what is my life? Mm-hmm. What? Why, why am I so sad? Why, what, what is all this rage? I never had rage before. I've always been a silly giggly drunk. You know, like if I drank too much, I would always just like, <laughs> like anesthesia. And so that started to drip into my, my life. And then I started to really lean on it heavily and it ruined my relationships and I started to gain more weight because of it. And then in correspondence with that, I didn't want to get intimate in my relationships. And so I would pull away and the men that loved me through this really loved me through this. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think all of them, even though we were not together anymore, they loved me at my ugliest, mm-hmm. even if I was perceivably most beautiful at, the, at, at my like wife. Yeah, yeah. And so don't let yourself get to that point. Don't let that, <laughs> don't let that happen. Don't let that straw break. Mm-hmm. And realize that you need to purge your emotion. If that's rage crying in the middle of the night, listening to some like music, there's been so many nights where I had to rage cry and pray out loud to God and literally dance, like combust dance in the moonlight to get all of these emotions that I built up within my body out of my body and scream and yell and just purge and when you do that enough when you reflect and write down in a journal why do you feel these ways okay what caused that 
What caused that? Get down all the way to the root cause. Does that matter? Yes or no? If it still matters, keep going backwards. Keep going backwards until it doesn't matter anymore. And then love yourself through it. You need to wake up every day and say positive affirmations. I listen to positive affirmations to fall asleep and to wake up. Morning, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I have noticed that it has taken so long for me to get out of these old patterns that I need to implement new patterns in order to shake them up. Yep. And even though it's not convenient, even though it's annoying, every time I, I literally open my eyes, I turn on positive affirmations, and then I meditate for at least 30 minutes before I start my day. Because it's important to find within, to hear, to reprogram that you are loved, that you are okay, that you are beautiful and worthy, and you are not less than. You are equal to. You are divine. And when you start to implement more practices of self-love, meditating, eating properly, you know, not being around people who have this dialect in their minds and their heads and project that upon you exactly exactly because i was in that perpetual like environment and i was like i should be healed from this but then a conversation would happen and then another conversation would happen and then i would get triggered and then i would fall back and then need to drink and then i would do this all this over and over and over and over and i was in a perpetual state of existence in misery I just was not happy. And it wasn't until God or universe, whatever you believe in, I don't know if you believe in God or higher power or not. I believe in God. And I believe that he ripped everything from me. I got fired from my teaching position. I got fired from my backup dancing position with the high-end cover band. I stopped cheerleading. I, I was ripped from a relationship, and I had to move back in at home with my mom. I literally was stripped. Of everything, yeah. Of everything because I needed to get rid of it. I needed to stop having all of these labels all over my skin, like tattoos. I was wearing thick thighs or Mm -hmm. um, too short or legs were too stubby. I was, I was using all of these labels all over my body. And every time I looked in the mirror, it was never good enough. And so you have to brainwash yourself again to believe that you are good enough. Even if you don't believe it, you need to stare at yourself in the mirror every single day, completely naked, bug ass naked. Yes. (laughs) And say, you are beautiful. You are loving. I even, when I'm in the shower, I, I meditate on that. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are loving. You are kind. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are confident. You are smart. You are beautiful. I, I do that. Yeah. Especially when I feel the opposite, especially on days where I feel a little heavier, a little less attractive. Right, right. Because it's a state of mind. And when you start to think about you are in control of your own destiny and your own reality every step of the way, and that out 
like exterior forces do not have to define who you are. People's opinions of you do not define who you are. My character was defamed on an international level. I spent my entire life building my character. And in seconds, they made me seem like I was full of myself, like I was conceited, like I was cocky. They already body shamed me for who I was. Right. They already made fun of me for my, uh, my audition solo, even though it was supposed to be a theatrical kind of like kitschy, funny, weird thing for like 10 seconds. And then it went into a jazz routine, but they don't say that. There are all these different elements of lies on top of lies that made me be perceived as a person that I wasn't, that started to make me believe that I wasn't who I really was. And that's what society does. That's what toxic relationships do. That's what being in environments where you are suppressed and there's like hierarchy when there's yeah. levels and you want to be the top dog. Yes, it's, it's okay to have a healthy competition with friends to build yourself up, to be the best that you can possibly be. But it becomes toxic and detrimental to who you are as an individual when you fixate and start to devise, okay, this is the, this is the most not devise, but when you start to fixate and over contemplate your worth yeah. based on your inability to perform at a certain level, your inability to look a certain way, your inability to fit in a certain uniform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has nothing to do with your divine soul, yeah. your Absolutely. everlasting life within. That is beautiful you are loved beyond what anyone says about your skin your thighs your hair anything and when more women realize that they don't need to be suppressed or put in a box and that they embrace their beauty their curves their dimples their wrinkles yeah. their their shapes their sizes their color their vibrancy or lack thereof their dullness, their meekness, their shyness, their cuteness, that's when we will come to a place where we can accept each other more and stop hating on each other more. Exactly, exactly. That part for this industry specifically, do you think that what you just described is something that's realistic for pro cheerleading? Like, yes, every team is different, um, different leadership, different approaches to how they build their team, et cetera. Do you think that's something that actually can exist in pro cheerleading or is it something that you're kind of like, I will never touch that with a 10 foot pole because the whole industry is whack is, I mean, not whack, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> is it a lost cause? Because it's, it's something that I, that I think about from time to time of like, is this just how our whole industry is kind of built where we're never really going to escape that? Well, you see, I think that the movement in certain teams, like the Mavs, they now have like a performance dance crew. There's no longer the cheerleaders. And that was heartbreaking for a lot of girls who were Mavericks dancers before and that were aspiring to be Mavericks dancers. But I think that started a, like a wave. Like, I think it may have started with the Spurs. I don't know what team. Yeah, there's been a lot of teams that have moved in that direction of entertainment exactly. teams versus, yeah. But I think that um, Miami, 
that city does a very good job on diversifying and accepting women for who they were. If I ever chose to go back to be on a team, I would want to be like a Miami Heat dancer or um, a Dolphins cheerleader because funny enough, before I wanted to audition for DCC, I was going to audition for Miami. But, you know, yeah, because I performed there and the director at the time was an Apache, well, Apache Bell alumni, and I was encouraged to go audition. And so the only reason why I didn't was because people were like, you should do DCC because it's more prestigious, air quotes. It's the theme to be on, air quotes. And my mind was thinking, well, I don't know, where, where, where should I go? And I was already in Dallas and people were like, it has a TV show. It's the best team you can be on. But in hindsight, I think that if I were to have auditioned for those teams, I would have been a lot happier because I think that they have, they live in such a colorful place. Like Miami is just so very vibrant and they're very forward. And um, I, I, I just, I love them. They're very talented and they embrace women. For yes. who they are, because I've seen some curvy girls. Not, of course, pro cheer curvy. Not like right, 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 right. Not plus size curvy. <laughs> curvy in our world, right? Yes, and which is insane. That that has to be a thing, but it, it's true because you just have to be so tiny. And I I hope that we see a day. I hope in our lives we see a day where you know pro cheer changes for the better and that there is a acceptance and love and joy of the sport and of the dance and not a i don't know i don't even part that we can't you know the part that just puts a stain on it because of this this one image of what's beautiful enough to be an NFL cheerleader or an NBA dancer. I mean, and I I do understand your point about like other teams that Mm -hmm. maybe by trying to go co-ed or Mm -hmm. having an entertainment crew, they're moving away from like this beauty standard associated Mm -hmm. with it and are more accepting of people of different backgrounds and dance styles or what have you. And I think that that is, Definitely, you know, you're not going to have wins on a team like that where you've got exactly. women or maybe, you know, there's just different emphasis placed on like what what's really valuable about being a member of that team as opposed to how do you look in my shorts or mm-hmm. what look you have and, you know, and to do what we do, does it is it absolutely necessary that you have some super, super narrow, super, super mm-hmm. fit that's like not sustainable necessarily kind of a frame. All things are worthy of being questioned and there's room to grow in our space. I was just curious like what you, what you thought about it. Cause I feel like some people can have such a, a negative experience with pro cheer that they just kind of write off the whole damn thing. And, well, and, if yeah. and <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> yeah. that statement. I, <laughs> I really had an equally amazing as terrible experience with it. Yeah. It was worth it, but it fucking sucked. Right. And it, it was a piece of my life that I will cherish, 
that will have the ability to haunt me. Yeah. That will be a place that can trigger me, but will also be a place that has taught me tremendous healing that has taught me how to be a stronger individual, a more powerful woman with my voice, with Mm -hmm. my presence, with my acceptance of my appearance, with my ability to love, my ability to heal, my ability to forgive those who literally put me on the cross. You know what I'm saying? And I believe in Jesus and I believe in forgiveness and I believe in all of Jesus's teachings. And I think that I was really, really faced with, you know, forgiveness on a level that I never had been faced with before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how you become closer to what you believe in. And I don't know what anybody believes in listening to this, but whatever you believe in, you need to believe in it with all your heart. Like if you know in your heart, you're like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in nothing. You need to be like a diehard atheist, like a hundred percent all the way. And the same with any religion and any faith. And that's another one of my podcasts. It, (laughs) it delves into like spirituality, religion, and the reason why people believe in what they believe in. Mm. And so being a Christian or Jesus follower, forgiveness is one of those staple things. Like you must forgive others. You must love others, no matter what they if, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think that me having to love those people who were really unkind to me, that said really unkind words to me, that made me go through this, terrible spiral of me losing weight, gaining weight, developing like all of these eating disorders and having all of these issues causing these traumas and dramas and problems in my life because I let exterior things affect my internal like paradise, my internal nirvana or heaven or peaceful state. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it taught me so much that I am grateful for the experience with all of its pain, with all of its trauma, because it can be very traumatic. Yeah. And so with every, every lesson that you are faced with in your life, just understand that you can learn and you can grow no matter if you don't get it, no matter if you're like, I don't, freaking understand why this was happening why did to this me. have to happen to me yes exactly so and true. so if you were right now thinking why 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 can't i get over this why can't i move past this really really understand that you totally can the first step though is knowing that you need to yeah Oh my gosh, Vivian. I really appreciate you being this. <laughs> like I said, I stopped watching that show. I just thought it was poisonous in my own way for me, even watching um, very empathetic. And I just could not imagine being in any of those women's shoes at any given point, just from what I saw. Yeah. Um, and like I said, just reading up on what you've experienced, what you fought through to getting back to this vibrant space. I mean, I see you and I just, <laughs> you can see that pain in someone's eyes. You know what I mean? I mean, I know we're on Zoom, but it's like, if this was something that had broken you and you stayed broken, I would be able to see that. And I just see strength. I see power. And I'm just really happy to meet you. I just think that 
it's it's your message and messages like yours or, or people who are working through this that I just think it can have such a great impact on people who are struggling with this or who are hearing it now and aren't even seeing it as a problem and then mm-hmm. would eventually, you know what I mean, have this like sh- the shit hit the fan. But I just feel mm-hmm. like I feel at peace in hoping to put out something that can touch somebody in a way that I know will change their life. If, if they're not going to have these years these good ass years like you're in your freaking early 20s and you should be like so like just like on fire life, and on just ready fire. for adventure you know taking on the world go exactly. get queen go get you <laughs> <laughs> you can feel in all of that and I don't want anyone to feel robbed of that I don't want pro cheerleading to rob anybody of that and I just feel like your story will touch people just to kind of hear how you heal yourself through getting back to like loving yourself and I'm just thank you so much like seriously like I was cannot end this crazy ass season (laughs) on like a not very like uplifting positive note and it's just you know this is a huge topic and I know everybody struggles with it but I just feel like the story of Mm -hmm. triumph and how you get through and all the things that you shared with people are just super super helpful and it's a it's a journey that people don't have to go through alone either I mean you know we're all walking that walk, walking away from this life in one form or the other. And mm-hmm. I just think it's just such a powerful message. So I just really thank you. <laughs> thank of you. Of course. So thank much. you so much for having me. I think that if there's one thing that I want your listeners to hear that are suffering from whatever mm-hmm. right now, I really want you to know what happens to you doesn't define you and that you are not a collection of your experiences and all of how you internalize or how you reacted or all of these different elements, but you beautiful soul Mm -hmm. are everlasting and perfect. And no matter how much pain in this moment you may be feeling, it will subside. Nothing lasts forever. Just as this agony of feeling imperfect. In 50 years from now, you're going to be pissed off at yourself for thinking that you wasn't hot shit. Because, honey, (laughs) you hot shit today. Exactly. (laughs) And that's the part. And I think that's just not until I'm like my age, but it's just something where as you do get older, you have that like super duper fire that comes from just like wanting people to recognize it sooner. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, don't spend time beating yourself up for this little shit because like this is time, you know, that you don't get back in your life that you you won't wish that you can go back for maybe some of the crap that you go through. But if you had changed the mindset as to what you were experiencing and got through things, not even quicker, but just got through things a little easier because you kind of knew in the back of your mind, in the depths of your heart that you were worthy and that you were good enough and that it didn't take super climbing all the way to the bottom to figure that out. It's like, if you could just hear it and believe mm-hmm. it sooner, you will fucking thrive so much more. Like you're already thriving. Thrive. Like, <laughs> no reason to like. I'm just saying, it's like because you will look back. Like, I mean, I'm I'm 42. <laughs> I forget my age. I'm like, how old am I? 42. <laughs> I'll be 43 this year. But any time that I spend agonizing over 
again, looking back at pictures, it's just like, what was I freaking worried about back then? Like, what was I concerned about? You know what I mean? And do I want that body back at this point? No, not even, but yeah. it's just the point that I shouldn't have robbed myself of any happiness. I shouldn't let anybody else rob me of that happiness because at the end of the day, this world, I know it's crazy and it mm -hmm. has a lot of standards and expectations that are placed upon you, but at the end of the day, just try to create your own little bubble of where that shit cannot pierce through. Exactly. Because it's like, it's so not worth it at the end of the day. And you can have such a different experience, whether it's being, for, you know, cheering for a different team that recognizes mm -hmm. your worth and your value and isn't trying mm -hmm. to and rearrange you. Mm -hmm. or having that right mindset where it just trickles off of you and you aren't phased by it because it's like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, however you work through it. Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, I just want people to to feel that because it's time that, you know, we only get one life and it's time yeah. if you are focused on the wrong things or you're letting this penetrate and really, oh, I just, I just want people to, to be able to enjoy what they can from this world. It is yeah. where you're not going to be approached early for the rest of your life. And, you know, you just don't want to be hung up on the wrong things. No. And you need to relish in your moments and don't be shaken by outside like opinions. You need to be like, okay, thank you for your opinion. Or I didn't ask for your motherfucking opinion. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I meant by thank you because I was being politically correct. Leave it to potty mouth. Uh, thank here, you. But... Don't come again. That <laughs> <laughs> might get edited out. But yeah, did I ask your opinion? Maybe I didn't really get it. So, put it. <laughs> Exactly. And yeah. not putting your worth into anyone else's hands, but your own. Exactly. That's it. Mm. That is the mic drop moment right there. Okay. <laughs> but if people really feel that shit though, like just imagine, you know, like not something that you hype yourself up off and you really don't believe, like, you know what I mean? And that's the, I love what you said about affirmations because it might feel cheesy or weird at first as you're kind of like trying to reprogram your mind and you're like, oh, shut up. Yeah. But if you really start believing it and really start yes. telling like it does transform you where you're actually like, no, I actually believe what I'm hearing. Like I'm saying yeah. it and I actually feel it now. And then things start to, like I said, I just get chills thinking about it. Cause I know in terms of just that real process of loving yourself, you really do have to reprogram a lot exactly. of, a lot of talk, whether it's from outsiders or yourself. You got to unbrainwash yourself. Words are so, so powerful. People do not understand the power of words yes. and they can use them to heal, steal, or kill. <laughs> and as well as love and uplift, you can use your words for anything that you want. And that's a big reason why people can tell if someone's being genuine, someone's being insincere, if someone is meaning what they're saying or if they're lying their ass off because you can feel that it, there's a discord and in the beginning there was the word and the word was with god and god was the word he spoke the world into existence he spoke the universe into existence if that is in the bible holy scripture then why aren't you taking notes like that is powerful if god used words why aren't we using words if he's creating based on frequency based on sounds why aren't you doing the exact same thing and if you are make sure 
you creating a life that you want to be living in and not a personal hell that you're perpetuating in your mind. Exactly. It really sounds like, but it's kind of like that simple in a way. It is. Of just at the end of the day, strip everything away. That's really like the message of the life you want to live and how you go about doing that, what that means in terms of what you're feeding yourself. And it's just something that people will come to learn at some point. I'm, I'm assuming it's your own personal journey and this is not yeah. like preachy weechy podcast or whatever, but at the end of the yeah. day, it's something that is lived and believed because I've been dragged through my own little share of mud. It wasn't necessarily pro that, that did it, but I just think that we all have little struggles in our life and we know what carries us through and what that means at the end of the day is a lot of self-love like mm. period so it, much again it's like everybody has their own beliefs and everything but I know that and I don't know why it just doesn't really come up in the way that I talk about my life or anything like that but you know it's really when you're at your lowest that you're kind of reminded of God's love. And that kind of mm-hmm. is what starts the part of like self-love to be able to come into the picture because you feel, if you're at a point where you feel that low in your life because you've been broken and you feel unworthy, so mm-hmm. unworthy because, you know, all these things are happening. You just feel like utter shit. And it's in that moment where at least for me in, in my life, like I said, it wasn't pro cheer that kind of had me hit like my own little rock bottom, but it's like, I know I felt so low and it was, I was just reminded of God's love. Like I am worthy of that. That's kind of where that breakthrough I feel like came for me was just mm-hmm. recognizing that I am and always will be a child of God and that nothing mm-hmm. that can be happening to me externally can change that and take that. Mm-hmm. from me. And once I kind of was reminded of that, it mm-hmm. allowed me to start to love myself more and get myself through the shit that I was going through. And it's like, everybody has their own path. And I just think that I would hate for anybody to be broken down to that level where they need that kind of moment and awakening, but it's just whatever you rely on in terms of your belief system, being able to tap into that, to understand that, that you're worthy, whatever that looks like. And that's where I think those connections will start to play out in your life where you're able to love yourself. Cause it sounds like, Oh, just duh, love yourself. But it takes, real soul searching to be able to really live in that space and really know that without a shadow of a doubt. Mm -hmm. Genuine love is not taught. Unconditional love is not taught. There's all these conditions Mm -hmm. that are programmed in our society that will allow you to be loved. If you follow these rules, then maybe you can be loved. If you look this way, then maybe you can be loved. If you do this, then maybe you can be loved. That's not God. And when we come to a place of understanding that God is unconditional, that's when we can start to think, maybe I can love myself like that too. Exactly. You nailed it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, I have no idea the conversation would go all over the the place, but it is what it is. I don't even know where the episode is at this point, but like... (laughs) about real healing now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I really wanted to know, but it's just something that's so, um, again, going back to like the things that my mom used to say when I was younger, you know, that she tried to teach unconditional love. She tried to teach, obviously, with our religion and our upbringing of like, 
what it meant to really truly be what love means. And I just feel like there's so many people, like you said, hurt people hurt people. There's so many people who don't experience that, that don't know it on that level. They don't know love on that level. And so whatever they've been conditioned to believe that they have to do in order to receive love, they're just passing that on or, or you know, on to the next person because they haven't actually received that kind of unconditional love to begin with, to even know how to like reciprocate it or to show that to people. And it just creates such a vicious cycle because I haven't been loved because of X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to give you that same love because I didn't get it. Like there's just, it's kind of like the root of all God dang freaking not evil, but just like, shoot, it's like, it's that, <laughs> but that's where bullying and all that shit comes from is because they don't exactly. have that understanding of what unconditional love is about. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I will forever feel bad for people who don't experience and don't know it because they're, they're going to be incapable of loving themselves, number one, mm-hmm. and, and, and loving other people in a way. That and that's why, yes, that's why what we're doing right now is so, so important because maybe somebody that hears this will learn and then come across them and then show them, even if it doesn't happen, even if there's no connection made, even if that person has to show that person and then another person and then another person. And then for that one person, like 20 people down the line finally comes to see some glimmer of love that was only made because of this interaction that we're having right now. Yeah. You see, we're all a collection of everything that we have ever learned from all of our teachers in this physical body. Yeah. Right. In this experience. So we have all of the lessons, all of the, all of the experiences, all of the, the traumas, the hate, the reactions, Mm -hmm. the, the lack of the surplus of, and when you get to a point where you can finally quiet your mind and be okay, Mm -hmm. that's when you become a teacher for so many other people. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be teaching each other how to teach each other, how to make other people better. We shouldn't be withholding information, withholding love, withholding all of these things because we're worried that the Johnsons are going to do better than us next door. Like that we should be encouraging that shit. We should be like, go Johnson. It's your birthday. You got a new Cadillac. It's your birthday. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. I think that this Western society really makes that difficult, especially for us younger millennials. What you said was just so spot on. And that those mean girls that I was talking about earlier are only reacting because there were mean girls that were mean to them. You know what I'm saying? And there's always a reason why somebody's going to treat you the way that they do. Even if it's just authentically because they're just a shitty person. Oh, yeah. 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 It's just, it's for a reason. It's something within that needs to be corrected within their soul, within their heart. Mm -hmm. And maybe you were the person that they had to come across for them to get a reality check because everyone else was just acting like it was peaches and cream right everything was fine because we're here to love each other to share god's love and even when it's messy even when it's complicated even when you don't think it's pretty it's necessary yeah 
again, just thank you for sharing your journey of healing. I think I, I feel it. It just opens up a lot of space for people to kind of reflect and hopefully begin that journey to the extent they haven't. Cause I know it's like a day-to-day journey, but it's just one that's so worth going through and getting to the other side where you can actually love yourself in that way. It's going to be the most liberating and yeah. awesome ass feeling that you'll have is just acceptance and, and love for the skin that you're in, the body that you're in, the hair on your head, the everything mm-hmm. from head to toe, just feeling yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it has nothing to do. And I want to say that too, because I, I just think people can get the wrong idea of people who are just really, I love who I am. Exactly. It's not being conceited. That's not being vain. It's not being self-centered. <laughs> it's not being blah, 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 fill in the blank. You mm-hmm. are actually just filled with a joy of who you are and like acceptance and feeling like, yes, I, I'm proud of who I am. Like I yeah. love who I am. And that's mm-hmm. something entirely different that I think people can sometimes get. Yeah. That, yeah. That's just misunderstanding, which is a lack of desire to understand, you know, it's just, it's laziness and it's just what happens. So it's okay. If you don't want to understand, then that's okay. If, people don't understand you, then that's okay. It's not a problem. When you transcend past that point of giving a fuck, (laughs) then you have a freedom that is unshakable. Say that. (laughs) And it feels so good. It just feels so good. So everybody find a way to get to that place because man, Thank you, Vivian. You're so I'm welcome. I'm so happy to have met you and talked you to you. You too. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. <laughs> have a wonderful, wonderful night, okay? You too. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Thanks so much for listening to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You can follow your favorite podcast on social media at Pro Cheerleading Podcast on Instagram, at Pro Cheer Podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can support your favorite podcast on Patreon. Until next time, keep your eyes on the sidelines.